Welcome back to Opening the Heart podcast and to another special episode. I call these Living Out Loud. I have a privilege of talking to LGBT community members and allies to celebrate North Idaho Pride Alliance and to celebrate Pride Month. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming to the show Kimberly Gazzo. She is one of our community builders for the North Idaho Pride Alliance, one of our super volunteers, somebody who once she found us and we found her, she jumped in with all of her energy and her heart and hasn't looked back and has been an integral part of our Pride Month celebration, planning, our socials, and really just bringing her full heart her energy, her love, her wide open arms when we could hug each other and give each other those big bear hugs that we need. She was there without hesitation. And I miss seeing you in person. And uh, hopefully, you know, we will be able to do that again soon. But for now, we will do this by interview uh, over the phone and we'll, we'll socially uh, distance or physically distance anyway. But I guess I'd like to start just by ac- asking that open-ended question of what drew you or to the North Idaho Pride Alliance? How did you find us? Why did you decide to let us into your heart? And you really did just jump on, jump in wholeheartedly. My whole life, I've been a bit of an ally. Uh, one of my very best friends in high school came out and that started my passion for um, celebrating the worth of all persons, uh, which is also a a big part of my denomination. Um, I should say that I'm an ordained minister in the community of Christ, and we're a very welcoming and progressive uh, denomination, and so it's it's just a natural fit for me. However, I, uh, I chose to raise my children in a small town in upstate upstate New York. And in the midst of that, my firstborn child um, first began to express um, a sexual identity um, as lesbian at about the age of 10. And then at 14, began to transition from female to male. So here I am, um, Definitely open to the idea, but having no idea how to navigate raising a child like this. And so I turned to PFLAG, and the PFLAG people really saved me. They gave me a place to to cheer and to ask questions and to mourn, because uh, I definitely mourned the loss of a daughter. Um, They just gave me a safe space to learn. And from then, I just started advocating for my son. Uh, I got very involved in various uh, organizations having to do with transgender youth or just trans people in general. And I I was very comfortable um, in an ally way. So... My husband died five years ago, and I decided it was time for an, a fresh start. And my younger son and I moved to Idaho to be near my father. And I found myself with a lot of time and 
no friends. I knew no one here except my dad. And so the natural thing for me to do was turn toward uh, North Idaho Pride Alliance and Pride activities. And uh, just, I tried to get into P-Flag. Our P-Flag here is not, is not active at the moment. Um, so it, it gave me a place to sort of be me. And it sort of evolved into a huge group of friends that um, I'm very blessed to have. I just love the people that I've met uh, through Pride. And it's been very, very hard to make friends here. I've been here 15 months. Um, you know, as a middle-aged woman, you don't we'll knock on your neighbor's door and say, can you come out and play anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I feel really privileged to to be working with um, NAPA and to offer what I have. Um, I have a lot of experience and skills that translate well, and I'm so thrilled to be able to to share them. Absolutely, and we, we you are truly are a gift. You came to us at at a time where we we really needed a voice, honestly, of a parent who was loving their child unconditionally. We needed the voice of a parent who uh, has gone through the transition in their own family and in their own life uh, with their child. Um, and for those folks who may not know what PFLAG is, uh, the, the acronym used to stand for Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. And a few years ago, they changed that to, to just PFLAG to be more encompassing of the transgender community and to all LGBTQ plus people. And we had a chapter here about six years ago that really thrived for a few years. And then uh, I think folks, they got tired. And I, I know I left that organization to start the North Idaho Pride Alliance. And the, the um, people were able to come out in a safer way and find community because of that experience with PFLAG. And and it really transformed our community here and gave folks an opening to start to step out with that toe to see what the community would be like if they could be out and proud. And we've kind of carried on yeah. with that. And so um, we, we, I think, desperately miss PFLAG in this community. And it's certainly needed because we don't have a structured support entity. We don't do that with NIPA. We do it very informally. But PFLAG was all about the support and the, the sharing circle. The thing about PFLAG is that it easily waxes and wanes with the needs of the community. So when there are people that need it, it, it tends to come back to life. So it, it may just be that the people that had been there were strong enough then to move out into other directions like you did. Uh, I certainly am completely open to uh, rejuvenating PFLAG here if and when, you know, the, the need arises. I just haven't met people that uh, that have that need right now. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great organization, and it's, uh, you know, it's all over the world. So Absolutely. people can go from one city to another, and they're 
You know, it's like rotary, but it's two flag. <laughs> but for queer people, yay! It is, and, it, and it's instant community, and there's a, a commonality that we share, much like mm-hmm. we do with the Pride Alliance, whether somebody identifies as queer, transgender, gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, poly, it doesn't really matter, an ally, it doesn't matter, we, we still share a sense of commonality in that we want to live out loud, and we want to live in our authentic truths. I guess I'm wondering, through your experience with PFLAG and with your son, what what kinds of I hesitate to say advice, but more what kinds of things did you learn along the way that would help another parent who may be in that situation where their child is questioning their gender or rather their child actually knows who they are and everybody else kind of needs to catch up with them? Um, because I, I yeah. oftentimes yeah. I get messages from parents who are questioning and they're like, I don't know what to do. And besides saying you love them <laughs> unconditionally, there are some other maybe things that you've experienced that might help them in that journey. Sure, sure. Um, so my son started to transition really at the beginning of sort of a wave. So I was at the base of the wave, which in some ways was really hard because I didn't really have a lot of people to turn to, but within 10 years I was able to give advice and I was able to counsel parents and, and I've even um, spoken a few times to teen groups and said, you know, when, when your parents have a tough time with your, with their, with your pronouns, be gentle with them because it's really hard. Uh, not that they don't love you. Um, so yeah, it, I've been able to kind of give them a perspective of there's loss involved, but there's so much gain. And when you wrap your arms around your child that isn't sure who they are or isn't or is sure and is is trying to sort of push against um, the the norm. The love that develops there is so intense and so amazing. I would tell parents, I know you're afraid, and you can be afraid, but you must not lash that fear to your child. That's not fair to them. Get your own help. You know, go find somebody to talk to. But mostly, when a child becomes who they know or, or starts expressing who they know, who they are inside, that person becomes a wide open bloom. It's, it's hard to express how oppressive it is to try and live your life as something that you're not. And especially with kids, I would say a great percentage of the time, they don't even know that they're not expressing who they are. Mm-hmm. And then when they figure it out, oh, I, I just remember my son going from um, kind of a goth, depression, sort of a downer person to this incredibly alive and beautiful and creative person that all of a sudden he didn't spend all his energy trying to be female. So he gets to spend his energy being beautiful and kind and compassionate and vivacious and creative. And 
that that was number one the most beautiful thing um in the beginning i was really terrified i'm like who's gonna love my child who uh how is my child gonna put up with prejudice and anger and fear from other people my son alex um i will use that name because that's no longer the name that he goes by and it's not my business to, to out him alex has a partner that he's been with for four and a half years. Someone that adores him just the way he is. And I'm like, wow, God, thank you. <laughs> because that fear is so there. That fear is there with parents whose children just come out or who transition. It's like, who's going to love my child? Because I'm not used to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens. And I see it happen time and time and time and time again. So for parents, it's like acknowledge your fear, know that it's there, express it gently if you have to, or especially, you know, in a therapy or a counseling situation. Um, But know that there's somebody for everybody. I just encourage people to let go of that fear a little bit. Um, In terms of protection, that one's a scary one. I went from upstate New York which Ithaca is just about as liberal a city as they come, to Northern Idaho, which is not quite as open-minded. So I think about it a lot more, but he's not here. He's still in New York. So, yeah, I think about it in terms of uh, the NIPA activities. You know, what are we doing about security? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we need to, to be smart. You're able to bring that perspective, though, in, in, into North Idaho for those of us who still walk a very fearful, fine line of whether or not we have a target on our back because somebody doesn't like the way we look or the way we dress or the pronouns we use yeah. that doesn't match in what they think they should. And that, that fear is real. The danger potentially is very real for for a lot of people here. And I think you being able to have that experience of living in a liberal place and being able to raise your child and support and finding a flag, and then bringing that with you to here, um, in addition to just who you are and what your heart is, really deepens that empathy and compassion that we need to show our community. You know, we, we, we definitely have trans folk who come to different events and meetings and we may not see them again for a year or two years. And that's okay. As long as they know we're here, um, as long as we each know we're here for each other. I mean, I, I identify as genderqueer, non-binary, gender non-conforming. I live with that fear. And I can tell you that mother's love that you're describing, I was blessed and privileged to know by my own mom. And she was always my biggest cheerleader, even when she didn't understand me or what was happening in my life or why I was dressing a certain way or looking a certain way. She loved me no matter what, probably because she had a lot bigger stuff on her mind than my sexuality and and gender identity. I didn't know that until I was in my 50s when I finally asked her that question. Why didn't we ever talk about this when I was a kid and struggling And she said there were so many other things. I was trying to keep a roof over our head and food on our table and you alive and, you know, those kind of things. And but when you're in the middle of discovering who you are and your identity, it's the 
it's it is sometimes the most important thing. It's the only thing that that we see in front of us, especially as a young person. And so definitely kudos to you, Mama Bear, for being mm. <laughs> for being that uh, growing person. And I'm sure it all wasn't, you know, roses and, and potpourri. Oh, so oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I guess one one thing I'm wondering in that process, because you are a woman of, of great faith, how did you have struggles within your faith community or even in your own family? Um, did you have struggles with family members not accepting your child or putting religion as a weapon in in that transition process? Well, let to start. So I grew up in the denomination that I'm in, and it was not until like 1984 that we voted as a denomination to allow women to be ordained. And it wasn't until 2013 that we voted as a denomination to allow uh, LGBT folks to be ordained to um, perform merge for anyone where it's legal. Uh, So I already kind of was in this faith framework that made it okay for me. Uh, I have never... I've always been very against using scripture as a weapon. Um, and I've always been very open to people are people and love is love. Now that said, um, when Alex was 17, his dad and I filed the papers in the court to legally change his name. His name was legally changed a month before his 18th birthday because we wanted our name on the document that said we completely support our child. Um, he could have done it himself after, when he turned 18. Um, but, but we made that choice. And when we did that, uh, I wrote a letter and sent it out to basically my Christmas card list, which was all my friends and family all over the world. And I said, this is what is the deal. Um, this is who my child is. And this is, the new situation and I completely expect that you will all continue to love him the way you have. Now growing up in the denomination, we have a lot of, we have family camp every year and we have a lot of um, youth camps and things. And he didn't have to struggle there because the people were already on board and already. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say hundred percent of the people, but, but overall uh, I then, he wanted to go to our church college, which is a really big deal for us. It's in Iowa. And he was the first transgender person to live in the dorm of the, uh, the gender of their expression that was not their biology. So he moved into the boys' dorm. And let me tell you, that's terrifying. <laughs> that's probably the most afraid I ever was because it's not, uh, you know, it's only like, 35% church members. Oh, my baby is showering in mm. shower rooms, you know, mm. and I, that, that my fear really came through during that. So I was on the phone with the administration all the time and it's about learning to be an advocate. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so he was able to then be on his own in a quasi-safe place. Um, and that gave me a lot of peace, um, knowing that there were people that would definitely have his back. Um, and it also gave me a way to say to people, you can be who you are here. We accept you. We love you. We believe in your, in your inherent value as a human being. Uh, and this was my example of that. Um, so that has helped a little bit. Now, I was not ordained until 2017. So I was already well into this process when I started uh, a formal ministry. And there are still people that are afraid to completely just open their arms. And, you know, people are afraid, well, if we put up a rainbow flag at the church, so to speak, will some of the people leave? So there's always that, that ebb and flow and the compromise and um, a lot of conversations, tons and tons of conversations. But our denomination has eight, what we call our enduring principles. And the first one is the worth of all persons. And if we're going to live the principles that we espouse, it's really important to us to, first of all, know how to, to answer the question, you know, if somebody says, well, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? And then I can launch into a, um, a conversation about how, if you really read that and, and you, and you do the exegesis, you will see that that was about power. That was about rape. That was about, um, hatred. It had nothing to do with sexual identity. It had nothing to do with sexuality. Uh, but people have turned it into that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's about learning how to have the conversations and and being kind to people and gentle with people and say, I hear that you're afraid or I hear that that bothers you. Um, be willing to listen, to let people express what they feel and then give them a different perspective. Uh, it's one person at a time, very definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh but it's something I'm really, really passionate about. All I can say is amen to all of that, sister. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, amen to that. And it is, it is, um, I don't know, I struggle with that whole, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar, and but you said that so eloquent, eloquently that Sodom and Gomorrah really was about power and rape. So it's, it's kind of having a background, but it's also just knowing your truth to say, that is not what this, this is about love. Right. I mean, we yes. are about love and loving ourselves yes. from our insides out and being wholehearted in that way. One of the things that you said earlier that I really, really appreciate was that for parents and I will extend this to to all allies, do your own work, get your own help. The, the trans child or trans person is on their own journey discovering and coming yeah. to terms with and becoming healthy and becoming whole, it's not up to us or anyone to go and say, hey, teach me about what it's like to be trans. That's what YouTube's for. There's plenty of really good uh, videos. <laughs> Google thegenderspectrum.org is an incredible uh, uh, resource. Another resource, pflag.org, incredible resources. Yeah. And you have to also realize that this is not something your child is doing to you. Mm -hmm. you got to take yourself out of that. Um, you get your feelings, 
you get to have your reactions and your emotions and you get to process them with someone else. Excellent. But your child is living out who they are. I am completely open to, uh, you know, if people want to call me, um, uh, sitting down, have a cup of coffee, talk to them, talk to them. I have more than once been drugged home with some by some trans person saying, please, will you talk to my mom? <laughs> Actually, just starting um, training as a chaplain. And when I look back, I've been sort of a chaplain of sorts for a really long time. So now I'm just going to go into a, a more medical field. But um, yes, yes. Yeah, when people take personal responsibility for their their hearts and their minds and their words and their actions, mm-hmm. um, it's not about what someone's doing. It's it's everything in life. You know, it's like conflict at work. How do you, you know, a, new, a job interview, how do you handle conflict? Well, the first thing I do is realize that it's not personal. Mm-hmm. If you have a problem, that's your problem. And I don't have to own it. But I can listen and and be compassionate. I would really I would really like to say um, from my own heart as a minister, I just really want to encourage people out there to realize that no matter where they are or what they're going through or what they're dealing with, and I I mean anywhere, God is there, and I I won't put a, any kind of a denominational spin on it whatsoever because it's my God is the same God that's in every faith out there in that's what I my understanding is but God is present wherever you are even if it just seems like the worst thing in the world just know that that you are a beloved child of God whoever you are right now just the way you are and whoever you're becoming Beautiful. Yeah, I could talk about that for several hours. So I know. Better cut me off. I think I'll have you back <laughs> on my uh, show, Opening the Heart, just so we can d- dig a little deeper into some very specific things about what you talked about, because it, it was very eloquent, and I appreciate everything that you said, and hopefully it resonates with somebody out there um, in in what they're going through and giving people hope, and that's really what this is all about, is opening our hearts to our stories, to our authentic selves, living wholehearted and definitely living out loud in that truth. Um, and if anybody does want to uh, contact Kimberly, they can email the North Idaho Pride Alliance at nipridealliance, all one word, at gmail.com. And we will make sure she gets the message. And I know you and you will follow up and, and have that cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And I see our future together, maybe doing some kind of a Zoom webinar education piece. So I look forward to that. That'd be great. Kimberly, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me on the Opening the Heart podcast with a very special episode of Living Out Loud as part of Pride Month for the North Idaho Pride Alliance. I appreciate you and I can't wait to get that big bear hug, hopefully sooner than later. Thank you, Julie.